It's so awesome to see everyone in this place, in this place today. Um, it's going to be a fun time today, a little bit different message. I want to share a few things with you before we go into it. Next Sunday, next Sunday, March the 3rd, there's going to be a united night of worship at Rise Church, which is just across uh, 295 on Lenox Avenue. Um, many churches are coming together to just worship the Lord together. Uh, several pastors you'll hear from on that night, one of which will be me. Uh, so we want to really just go out and just have a good time with Jesus and declare victory and unity over our community. So we hope to see you out for that. How many of you are glad to be here today? Woo. As you can see, um, several people thought that I needed help uh, this morning. So God has blessed me to share the platform today with my favor. The uh, Bible says a man that finds a, a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So my favor is up here today, and I'm so glad she's going to be uh, sharing along with me today. We're just going to have a fun time in relationship goals as we continue and close this out. Um, next month, I had an original, I had a series that I was going to do, but I feel so strongly to take the month of March to really teach and preach on faith. So if you want your faith built um, and you want to have that faith that's talked about where we can obtain the promises of God. You're not going to want to miss the March series, and you're going to want to invite somebody to be here. Let's, let's get into it today. Relationship goals. Yes. yes. Reconcilable differences. How many of you know that in any form of relationship, in any form of relationship, you are going to have differences? You're not the same. Uh, you're going to have differences. And so what we want to do today is we're going to share a little bit from the scripture, and then we're going to have a time of just uh, question and answer. But I shared with you, as I've been sharing every week, that there's five things that we have to be committed to do um, in relationships of any kind, is that we've got to be committed to seek God. Um, it's so important to seek God and let him be the center of anything that you're doing. You've got to agree to fight fair. How many of you know you're going to fight? It's quiet in here. But you will fight. Yes. Yeah. Testify. We won't say whose fault it is, but you will fight. <laughs> um, you also want to have fun. So important. The Bible says that laughter does good like medicine. So you want to have fun. Um, you want to stay pure. Uh, the Bible says that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Our level of purity affects the level to which we see and hear God. And then one of the most important things is that you want to never give up. You never want to give up. So before we, we get into the scripture, I want my wife to share a little bit of her testimony with you. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to get into this and have some fun. Yeah. There's just a couple things I want to cover, which I'm sure you have. Um, but what I want to, what a couple things I want to cover. The first thing is, is that um, we're not perfect. We, we, we do not have the perfect marriage. And please don't, don't look to us and think we have it all figured out. We don't. But what we do have is the scripture that tells us what we need to do in our marriage. And we just try to line our marriage up with the word of God, the best we know how. And so we don't know our, what, what we have is not the, is not the, sometimes not the right way, sometimes not the best way, but God's way is the best way. Come on. And so I want to just cover that ground first and foremost. We've only been married five years. We don't know nothing, okay? And um, secondly is that whatever has happened in your life, 
you have to think of it from this day forward. Mm. And you can't go back and constantly um, rehearse what happened or how you could have changed and what you could do different. Um, and we'll, we'll hit on that. But one of the things in our marriage was, and we had to learn this, was that we can't go back to yesterday. Whatever happened yesterday happened yesterday and we have to leave it in yesterday. Because if we carry it over, we're just gonna literally be on the same trail for weeks and we're not gonna make any progress. And so um, there was a third thing I wanted to cover, but I'm pregnant, so I don't know, I can't remember. Uh, anywho, so a little bit about me. Um, usually I'm in with the kids, I love the kids. I've been a kids pastor for um, nearly seven years now at, at, at another church and, and obviously here. But um, I wasn't always saved, I wasn't always a Christian. And um, when I was, uh, my, my mom was a drug addict. I grew up with a mom that was a drug addict. And my dad was, got really sick when I was 15. He's actually still in a nursing home, and I'm 30. So he's been in a nursing home for 15 years. And he had a massive stroke. Um, and then after open-heart surgery, he ended up having a massive stroke. And so he's been paralyzed in a nursing home for 15 years. And so from the time I was 15, I had to pretty much raise myself. And then when I turned 17, um, I decided to join the Army. And when I went to ship, so I had sworn in everything, went to MEPS to ship out that day, and I found out I was pregnant, and they wouldn't let me ship. And so <clears throat> to me and, and to my recruiter, we both made a decision that I was not, like my life wasn't going anywhere, and I wasn't probably the best teenager <laughs> in the world, I'll tell you that right now, hopefully my kids are like their dad, but... <laughs> But, um, but I was not the best teenager in the world, so I knew that the Army, for me, felt like it was my only choice. And so I ended up having an abortion. And I say that because I want, I want you to know, like I said earlier, that it's from this day forward. Come on. We can't rehearse the past or we can't sell ourselves short because we feel like maybe God won't bless us because of. Like, he blesses us in spite of those things. Come on. And so, as long as we keep that in the forefront of our mind, um, just as we close out this series, and, and really for, for the rest of our life, you know, Scripture, in Revelation, it says that we are overcome by the blood and by the word of our testimony. And so, Preach. don't let what has happened in your life hold you back. And don't let what's happened in your life not allow you to set someone else free. Because God has put something in you and there may be things that you've experienced that God's going to need you to turn around and grab someone else. Without a doubt, it's going to happen. And you have to be ready. And the word of our testimony is so powerful. You know, it's hard, and then we can start. I don't want to take up all the time, but, you know, a, a lot, because I will. <laughs> but, but it's hard as a believer, really, and sometimes as a Christian, because we feel like that, People are going to judge us for the past stuff. We feel like we got to cover it up. We got to be these perfect people. But like I said, the one thing that I want you to know when you leave here today is that we are not perfect and we don't have it all together. But what we do have is a savior that has it all together. Come on. And he will, yeah, give it up, man. That's what I'm talking about. And he will take, like I said, whatever it is in your life and what the enemy has made for harm, he will make it, he will turn it into good, without a doubt. We just have to stay focused on him and like I said, keep in his word, so yeah. An authentic testimony has the power 
to set people free. And so often the very thing that, that we are ashamed, anybody in here ever been ashamed? Ashamed to testify that God brought me through this is the thing that will give someone else hope. And so before we get really into this, I wanted to lay some groundwork from the scripture, but a foundational key, don't ever forget this, to navigating relationships and really life is hope. Hope. Because if you, if you have hope, you can keep on going. Anybody in this church today? I'll preach from this seat. Because hope will keep you going when nothing else will. Hope will keep you going when people aren't cheering you on. If you have that seed of hope that tomorrow is going to be better than today, and today was better than yesterday, come on. Then we can, can really say we can make a go of this thing. Because sometimes, how I many of you, you get tempted to quit? You get tempted to give up. Uh, sometimes when things are hard, that's the time where we need to, to push harder, but we back down. And so here's what the Bible says in Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of, of hope fill you with what? All joy and peace in what? Believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in what? Hope. So is it any secret? Um, and we'll be bouncing off of each other today. But if there's any secret, why the enemy would try to steal your hope? See, some of us have been so focused on the fact that we think he's messing with our money. But he's not trying to take your money. He's trying to take your hope. And so we're, we're focused here. And he's saying, yeah, just keep on focusing that. And I want to drain your hope. I want to drain your hope. Because if I can steal your hope, then I can steal your ability to believe that the next will be better than the now. And so that's why God wants us to have hope. I've told you every week this series that how we view uh, relationships will depend largely on how we view Jesus. Okay, just want to make sure. Man, the past couple of weeks I had to check it. But if you believe that Jesus has the power to save anybody, if you believe that he has the power to work in any situation, then you have to believe that there's no situation in your life right now that is beyond hope or beyond redemption. And that means that we have to overcome the self-talk that we have at home. You, you know, I'll be transparent, the self-talk that we have when nobody's watching. It's not going to get any better. It's not going to be any different. It's always going to be like this. They never, he never, she never. Right? But God wants us to abound, that means to grow, to constantly be increasing in hope. That means that I can't move by what I see. I got to move by what I hear. You got anything? Yeah, no. Okay, this good. Is, this Make sure. Good. Just... So, so as, as people of God, we will be challenged on a regular basis. We'll be challenged every day and in every area of our lives. But somewhere you got to say, you know what? Because I'm a child of God, because I belong to the king, because I'm a king's kid, I can continue to have hope. And it doesn't matter what people say about you. Because, you know, with, with social media, you see the snapshots of the perfect relationship. You know, on the boat with, with hair as wind is blowing on the boat and the, the buffet because it was included in the price of the cruise and everybody's smiling, but you didn't see the argument that happened before the picture. Because the picture that I show you is the picture I want you to see. But it's the testimony 
of getting past what it took to get to the picture is what you need to hear. Because if you think that I've got it all together all the time, you'll be ashamed to say, I need prayer because I'm jacked up. And I'm messed up in this area and I need some hope. Look, I know you've, you've got the picture perfect relationship, the picture perfect life, but I mess up sometimes. And I just need to know, not to celebrate, but I just need to know that you have some issues too. Every now and then. You, you've got some insecurities too, Pastor. Because what happens is, is you get on the stage and people think you don't ever go through anything. You don't, ever, you don't ever feel anything. You don't ever have any struggles. Let me tell you, I cry too. You just don't see it. I see it. So the thing is, yes, you do. That's another message. <laughs> but the thing is, you have to know, and the people in your life have to know that you, you don't have it all together sometimes. But here's the reality. There's some people, because of this, this fact, there's some people you've got to keep out of your relationship. You can't tell everybody everything. So there's some people you got to be able to trust, and they, they, if you trust them and they've gained access and relational credibility in your life, then you can give them a voice. But every voice should not have equal influence. You, you get where I'm coming from? Should I be more specific? There's some times where mom and them don't need to know what's going on in your house. Sometimes it needs to be between you and your wife, and everybody else needs to mind their own business. They don't want me to preach this, but I'm going to preach this anyway, because the problem, the problem is, is that you could work it out if you talk it out and walk it out. But some of us, rather than do that, we want to get on the phone. Mom, you won't believe what he did. You won't believe what she did, not realizing that you're painting the picture that you want them to see so they'll tell you what you want to hear. And also, when you forgive, they'll still hold that, you know, and it's, and it's really detrimental to, to relationships, like he said, because some people will give you, some people will tell you things and give an ear, just like the snapshot, based on what you create for them, you know? So if it's always a phone call, that's one thing about our marriage that there's a couple ground rules that we have in our marriage. And one of the things is, is that we don't talk about each other to our parents, especially, but to, nope. to, to, to other people in, in a lot of places. And not because we want people to think we're perfect is because not everybody needs to know because what our flesh tends to do is we get mad and we paint a picture. And all, we're going to forgive, but all that person is going to see is the picture we painted for them. And they're going to constantly be like, well, oh, you know, you'll say something and be like, well, remember what he did? Remember what she did? And it starts to cause this in your mind, too, because like I said, sometimes we have to keep yesterday and yesterday mm -hmm. and move on and say, you know what? That's it. But we keep yesterday and yesterday, but other people don't do Other people don't do it. So yeah, sorry. No, that's, that's good. And so we want to we do things in the context of our friendships and our singlehood and our marriages and our desire to be married. How many of you know all of us fit in different categories? We do. We really do. Some people are like, look, I've been there, done that, I'm done. <laughs> um, other people are like, I'm seeking it. And then other people are like, you know, I'm good. I'm just good where I am. You know, so when somebody, you see somebody at the mall and they kind of give you that look, you're like, don't even look at me like that. I'm not in that season. <laughs> <laughs> of, of my life, but we want to do things that add 
to hope and not take away from it. And so a lot of it is being able to look at an individual or friend or whatever it is on any landscape and to begin to see them through the lens that God sees them through and not through what you may be dealing with in the moment. How many of you know that that takes intentionality? Because sometimes you, you, you may be dealing with something in the moment that's affecting the way you see something or the, even the way you hear something. How many of you know that sometimes it wasn't even meant the way it was said? But you said it anyway, and it caused an effect because of the way it was taken. And so sometimes in order to deal with the differences that we go through in life, we have to take a step back and say, I know what I heard. Y'all still with me? But I need to assess what it meant, <laughs> because those are not always the same thing. Yeah, story time. So uh, if, if anybody knows us personally, you know, Shannon and I are very different. Unrehearsed, so I don't we, know what she's going to put out there. We are complete, complete opposites. I mean, we could not be more opposite. That's how opposite we are. We sat in the car before we were married, remember? And we were driving somewhere, and we sat, it was like a 30-minute ride, and we tried to think of things we had in common. And it was like, Jesus. That's, that's pretty much all, that all we was got. All. And so I say that to say is that when we first got married, we had a hard time communicating. Because he was the type, Shannon never wanted to be married. We got, Shannon and I are 10 and a half years apart. I know. This look, always has to be included. I look really young. I know, guys. It's crazy, right? It's like, you are, what? But we're 10 and a half years apart. Shannon's 40, and he'll be 41. And then she and I has just, to specify. I just turned 30. I wanted to be clear that I just got out of my 20s, okay? But, no, I'm joking. But, but with the age gap and with our differences, communication was very hard for us in the beginning of our marriage because... His reaction, I'm getting back to what you were saying earlier, but his first reaction when we would argue was he needed time by himself. Not in this house, no, because we're going to talk it out. And so to me, I was like this pit bull that always came and was like, you going to go sit in the room? And so I automatically took it as he's trying to leave me and he's trying to abandon me because my mom was a drug addict my whole life. And I don't mean to compare it to that, but... But I realized that that's where the source was. And so every time he would walk out of a room, I felt abandoned again. And so we had to come to a happy medium where I had to understand that his actions were not abandonment to me. I took them wrong. And I had to look at him and say, well, why are you leaving? And he's like, I don't want to say anything that I'm going to regret. And so, which is mature, because I was not doing that. And so... And so he always left the room, and so we had to come to a happy medium where we had to understand each other's words, um, our emotions, um, and you know he would shut down and I would just get louder. And so it would create this tension in our, in our relationship. Um, and also, I'll back up, because I don't want it to just be about marriage, because Shannon and I were friends first. I met Shannon when he was an assistant principal of a high school when I was coaching basketball. I was coaching uh, varsity basketball, and that's how I met him. And Shannon and I, so Shannon and I met, I was 19, 20, and he was almost 30. Again. Sorry. The age. Or he was 30, 31. And so I'm painting a picture. But so by the time I was 23, um, we just 
became friends and we were not interested in each other that way. And we built- She was interested in me. Like, like I was saying. How do I, get with, how do I get with him? Yeah. Yeah. And so, but we built a foundation of friendship. And so we knew a lot about each other without having, without putting on any masks because we didn't care. He didn't want to be married. And at the time that was fine with me because I didn't want to marry him. So it was, it was great. And so not to make that sound bad, but, but anyway, to go back to what you said, like to misinterpret those feelings or those words and those, those things. And even with friendships, we have a tendency to do that too with a friend, you know, they may say something, maybe they don't mean, and we automatically take it a certain way. And not saying that your feelings are wrong. That's another thing we learned in our marriage that your feelings are your feelings. You know, you feel that way for a reason. Your feelings are your interpretation. And I can't be mad about how you feel because that's how you feel. And so, and the same thing in friendships, because we would get into things being friends too. And so the misinterpretation of it, just understanding, okay, going back and saying, all right, let me look at this picture as a whole before I start to jump the gun. Let me give you a funny story before we get into this. Uh, Right before we got married, we were headed somewhere together and we're going to ride together. Now this is, this is, I, I still enjoy this. And the question was posed to me, do you want to drive? Now, as, as men, you have to understand something. When your wife or your woman is asking you, do you want to do something, she's not really asking you if you want to do it. Um, just not. That's a gentle, polite suggestion of saying, I would like you to drive. But at that time, I was very much a literalist and still am. Do you want to drive? So my, question, my answer was, no. No. And so that ride was real stiff. (laughs) You know, but again, it's something as simple as that. You know, if we clear up communication, then we don't have issues. You know, and sometimes what we don't say, what we actually mean, I'm not blaming, but I'm saying, do you want to drive? As a literalist, the answer is yes or no. And my answer was, no. You know, and it caused a problem because of Because uh, I wasn't asking him to drive. I was, I was doing it to be polite. And I told him, I said, I'm just being polite, but I'm not asking you. Like, I'm just being polite. Like, I'm do you want to drive? I'm not asking you, but I'm asking you. You know? <laughs> I'm not asking you, but I'm asking you because I want to be polite. All right. So, yes, yes. And so let's get into this because I, w- I don't want to take up much more. No, you're good. It's not. Uh, God desires for us to possess hope and grow in it daily. And so this is what Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The actual literal translation of the word strength in that text is hope. So it says that if we wait on the Lord, we will renew our hope. God wants our hope renewed daily. Then we'll be able to run and not get weary. How many of you know sometimes in relationships, there's things that wear you out sometimes. They'll wear you out physically. They'll wear you out emotionally. They'll wear you out mentally in relationships. And so you have to constantly have your focus on God working in any area of that. Um, Hope is the fruit of waiting, not striving. How many of you have tried to make something happen? 
in your life. How frustrating it is when you feel like you have to make it happen. Y'all, y'all still here? Y'all leave? Okay. Uh, so you, you sit there, whatever area of your life, and I'm trying to strive and make this happen, make you understand, make me understand. And, and all it does is frustrate you because you were not designed to strive. You were designed to wait so that your hope will be renewed. Now, Psalm 39.7 says this. It says, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in my spouse. My hope is in my friends. No, my hope is in you. And this is where we struggle. Every one of us from time to time is because we get disappointed. Disappointment is the result of placing our hope in the wrong place. Even when you are married, even when you have friends, and, and that friend, how many of you know that, my, that friend I know is my ride or die, no matter what, right? Until they disappoint you. You know, he's going to be with me, and, and he's never going to do this to me until he does it. And your hope, when it's in the wrong place, will cause you to get disappointed. You look like you want to say something. I do. Yeah, I just want to kind of add on to that because I think, and, and, and we hear it, we hear it. You know, people are like, you know, I'm just waiting for the one, you know, waiting for the one. I don't believe in the one. Um, I believe God is your one. Jesus on. is your one. And you serve your one with your two, meaning your spouse. Shannon's not my one. God is. I don't find my, I don't, I don't set him up for failure and putting my hope and joy in what he does for me or to me. Because now, not only am I going to be disappointed, but I'm setting him up to fail because he can't do that. He was not designed to complete me. He can't complete me. Only God can. Jesus completed me on the cross. That's who completed me. And so sometimes we look at the other person as then them completing us. But you're putting a false expectation on for yourself and also for the other person to set yourself also up to fail because God never designed us to be that way. God designed us to serve him. I'll tell you right now when, and we know it in our home, and there's times when we get busy and we're running, 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 and we're like, you know, oh, just put the kid to bed. Let's just go to bed. And we don't pray. I told you we're going to be transparent. And we don't pray before we go to bed. And we know in our home and in our marriage when God's not first. Come on. We, we know it. We know it. It's so evident. And we start to, little things happen. We bicker more. Um, we're always down each other's throats. Um, it's like nothing is ever good enough, you know, like... I mean, you know, sometimes you're just going to rearrange a dishwasher, but, you know, when you got to do it and it's just like, you just, you just like, it's a last straw. Like, do you know how many times I had to read and you're just, and it's not, it's like you start to realize these little things that, wait, we're not praying before we, you know, we're not praying as a family before we go to bed. And we have our own personal prayer time, our, our entire, I don't look to him to be my source to God. He's not my source to the Lord. I have my own personal relationship with the Lord. He has his own personal relationship with the Lord. And then we have our family that we all have a relationship with God in. That There's a, a, a key to Yeah, y'all, y'all give it up for that because that's good. When she was saying that, I told you this was unscripted, but when you don't pray together 
And when prayer is not the center of what you're doing, you give the enemy access. See, it's prayer that locks the access of, of the enemy uh, in your life, in your relationship, in your friendship, in your marriage. But here's the more dangerous thing, too. Uh, whenever hope, because she's talking about the one is God, right? We got that? Whenever our hope is misplaced, manipulation will be present. I don't, if you don't write anything down or take a screenshot of anything, you need to write this one down. Because what happens is, is now when you begin to look to someone to do what God can do, you start to tweak and, and try and turn and, and, and make situations a certain way to where the other person has to do what you want them to do. And man, manipulation becomes present. And all manipulation is not words. Sometimes it's emotional. See, and this is why I say keep people out of your relationship because sometimes you, your mom or your dad or, or, or someone else that you involve in the situation that doesn't need to be there will manipulate it with not even their words, just with their grunts and yeah. their, their emotions. And they'll say, well, you know, if, if they, they really should do this, if they really love you. And, and sometimes they can't, even, they can't even ever say anything good about your mate. Why would you want to constantly be hearing negative things about the person you're married to? The person that you're supposed to help to strengthen and encourage, why would you give your ear, it's quiet in here, but give your ear to things that don't build up and edify? Go ahead. I was going to say, I want to I wanna kind of um, hit on that more and kind of um, clarify. When we say don't keep people in your relationship, we're talking about marriage. Keep people in your relationship. If you're dating or if you're engaged, keep people there. People need to be there. Okay. I'm, 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 I, yeah, I don't want to forget this point. You thank you for bringing that up. If you, I'm, I don't want yeah, some of y'all leave the church when I say this. If 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 your girlfriend or your boyfriend can't meet your pastor, they are not the one. It's quiet. It's not that your pastor has a proof of it, but if you got to hide them from the people that are close to you, that's not that's not. You need to think about that. You need to pray through that a little bit. And here's, sorry, not to, go ahead. Because you, you, need, to, you need to have some accountability um, in your life to where, okay, someone who knows you can ask you some questions for your own benefit. It's not control. He shouldn't be saying, your pastor shouldn't say, no, you can't marry that one. But he should be able to meet him. He should be able to meet her and just say, okay, yeah, you know, um, I'm a pro let me pray through it and pray with you and believe God for the best. That, that's what I'm saying mm -hmm. about that. So um, quick story time. Um, so after I came back from not joining the military and all that stuff, um, there was a family that I met, and they adopted me. They took me in, and he was a pastor. He, he still is a pastor, rather, and I would always, I can tell this now because it's funny before I used to be like, you know, but there was these guys that I would like or they were like me. They were not the one. They were not the one, and so... <laughs> And so, and so um, I would always bring them and he would always say, no, that's not it. And he was usually, I mean, he, the one thing he could discern, my dad was, uh, my, my adopted dad, was that he knew, he, he could, it was like the Lord gave him this discernment of like relationships. Like, no, that's not, you don't need to be with that person. And so um, when he, he met Shannon, he knew Shannon. And then, um, Shannon and him were going to meet for coffee because Shannon was going to ask him if he could court me. And uh, Shannon waited. My, he forgot 
that Shannon was waiting at Starbucks for him. And Shannon waited there for an hour and a half and did not, and my, my adopted mom, she was like, don't you have somewhere to be? He's like, oh man, I have to meet Shannon. And he knew, and he told me, he was like, when he first met Shannon, he pulled me aside and he said, that's your husband. Immediately he knew. And I say all that to say- Glory to God. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I say all that to say was that that was not the end point where they were involved in our marriage. And I'm gonna get blunt, and if there's any young people in here, you know, I'm, I'm gonna get very, just off, off rip, off cut, okay? So when we were engaged, when we were courting, we, didn't, we were not in the car alone unless we were driving somewhere. We were not in a room by ourselves unless there were other people there. We were never in a place that was not public. We, we, we just weren't. And we were setting up boundaries. If Shannon and I were going somewhere, people knew where we were at. People would pop in on us because they knew that we were there, but it was for our benefit to protect us. Uh, uh, real quick, so has anybody, who likes a fire? Like, like, a, like a fireplace, just loves a fire. I don't know about you guys, but it's something about s'mores, man. I don't know what it does to, just, just to my, my soul. It's just like, it just, something happens and heaven touches earth, it's just amazing. And so I just love, love fire and s'mores and I love it. And you get, you know, have you ever built a fire in a fireplace? And you build a fire and it's in the fireplace. It's in the fireplace. Now, a fire, right? We're fine with it in the fireplace. Have you ever seen in California last year in Redding, they were having these, these massive, massive fire. People had to evacuate their home. People had to leave. If you've ever been anywhere where there's a forest fire, it's scary because it starts to create things. Here's what happens. When the fire is out of place, the, the, the fire has to, in order to keep the fire contained, it has to be lit in the right situation. If the fire is lit out of place, disaster happens. And I say that because if they're, hey, like I said, from this day forward, but if you're sleeping around with somebody before you're married, I'm telling you, you're opening doors only only it, it's not going to be good. And like I said, I feel like God can restore. I was that person. I, you know, Shannon was not my, my first, but, but opening those doors and setting that fire outside, it creates something that it's not supposed to create. Mm. Putting the Now, we're talking about the same element here. When the fire is contained, when it's put in the right setting, Magic happens, things happen, s'mores happen. You know, those things, you know, they happen. Roasted marshmallows. Who likes s'mores anyway? And, and I say that because sometimes it's so easy for us to forget that and, and do not, and here's another thing, don't put it past you. See, sometimes I think we get in this place where we're super spiritual and we're like, it's never gonna happen to me. Yeah, it will. That's why we had boundaries set up because I'm like, look, I don't trust me. I don't trust myself. Shannon, you too fine. <laughs> no. I don't trust myself. But we had to because we're like, look, I'm attracted to you. You're attracted to me. And we shouldn't trust each other. And we shouldn't trust ourselves because it takes one slip up. And now we're in a place we never thought we would be. Say redemption. Redemption, yeah. Say redemption. Say hope. See, that's the key is when you hear these things, understand that wherever you are, 
as has already been said, God is, you, you're not past the hope and redemption that God has for you. Right. And, and it's from this day forward. Let, let's, uh, Romans 12, 22, and I want to get to a couple of these questions. Um, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. All of these things that we've been talking about, hoping and praying and setting up boundaries, these are the key, uh, one of the keys to really walking successfully in this area. Joy is the hope, joy is the product of hope placed in its proper position. Prayer fuels hope. Prayer fuels hope. Wherever you are in life listening to this, understand that you can go to God and not have all the right words, but say, Lord, I need help. I need help in this area. Show me what to do. Show me, show me how, to, how to walk with you in this. Show me how to honor you in my singlehood, in my friendships, in my courtship, in my marriage. My marriage, prayer fuels hope wherever you are. Somebody say amen. amen. And so we, had, we received a few questions, and we want to take the rest of this time to just answer those. And um, the first one is how do we maximize our season of waiting or our singleness? And you want to say something about that? Or, um, how do we maximize our season of waiting and singleness? So going back to that is really for me, and I said there are many answers to this, but one is understanding that waiting time is meant for us to allow God to work on us. This is a critical piece that we have to understand. While we're sitting there getting frustrated or maybe or, or wondering, is God going to do this or, or when is he going to bring someone into my life? Our focus really is, God, do whatever you want to do in me right now so I can be prepared for who comes into my life, right? And so... Here, here's, here's a principle I want to give you. A man is supposed to be a man before he gets married. Y'all still with me? A man is supposed to be a man before he gets married. But a woman, watch this, is supposed to be a wife before she gets married. And somebody said, what do you mean by that? You know, don't, boyfriends shouldn't get husband privileges and everything. Well, let's just see what the Bible says. We, and that's true, but the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 22, the boy who finds a bride finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. No, it says a man, right, who finds a what? A wife. So she's supposed to be a wife before she gets married. That doesn't mean she does white things, but God has made her and prepared her for who he brings into her life. This is so important because you as a wife were not designed to raise your husband. Preach. Mean, meaning this. Watch this. Because if you, if, you, if you feel like it's your job to raise him, then you will try to fix him. And if you want to frustrate a man, try to fix him every day. Try to always say, you know what, you, you got to do this. You, gotta do. So you, you were never designed to fix him. God is supposed to fix him. God is supposed to prepare him for you. Now, understand, we all have weaknesses and we all have things that we deal with on a daily basis. We're all growing on a daily basis. So you can't sit there and say, you know, if you're going to be with me, you've got to have everything perfect right. No, you're growing. How many of you know, even in five years, that person's not the same person? Because they've evolved and they've grown. You're not the same person. The things that they thought made you happy yesterday no longer make them happy now and vice versa so it's important to understand that we maximize 
our waiting time by letting God deal with us. Lord, make, make me who you want me to be. Help me to be a person that honors you. Because what, if, if you don't allow him to do that, here's what happens. You see that guy. Like, yeah, he's the one. And you start to try to make yourself something for him instead of God. Man does the same thing. Ra- rather than, you know, because he finds out, yeah, you're someone who just has a heart for God and you love God. And he's attracted to that because he doesn't have it yet. In some cases. And so he's sitting there trying to say, yeah, I'm a person of prayer. But when you want to pray, he don't want to pray. And you got to beg him to come to church. Because he tried to, to present something that he was not. And so you, sometimes it's not that God doesn't want to give you that person, but you've got to give him, give him time to work on that person too. Is, it, is everybody clear? I'm not confusing anybody, right? Okay. So you have anything you wanted to add to that? Okay. The other question we got. How do we find a sense of completion while we wait on God for a spouse? Being, being lonely... Sometimes we've got to classify it and make a difference first in answering this question. There's a difference between being alone and being lonely. And you, as, as individuals, as humans, sometimes we've got to be okay with being alone for a season. Because if we're not okay, in other words, you've got to be all right by yourself. You weren't, you weren't necessarily designed to live your entire life by yourself. But in a season of singlehood, and single, you've got to be okay being by yourself, because if not, you'll settle for something God didn't give you. And so you're saying, you know what, it, it seems like a, it's taking a long time, so you know what, this one will do. <laughs> that one will do. And, and, and sometimes you've got to sit and say, you know what, God, God has created me uniquely. He's designed me the way I am. I'm going to trust, I'm praying for him to to." Give me someone that, that we could honor him together with. Does that make sense? Because a lot of times we're looking for a specific person when God has put qualities in a person that you should look for. If you really want to be able to spot a man, you'll be able to spot one. You know what I mean? So some, there's some things, and then sometimes you just got to ask questions and get beyond the surface. You know what? Look at, look at how... You've heard this before, but look at how he treats his sisters and his mother and the other women in his life. And then look, if we want to be real honest, actually, that's a different question. I'll get to that. Uh, but how do we find our own sense of completion? We've got to find it in God. We've got to be satisfied with who he has made us first, or we'll never be satisfied with another person. Because you'll expect them to fill a void that only God can fill. And so you're constantly like, he sees me, he sees how I feel, she sees how I feel. Why don't they do this? Because they are not God, they are flesh. And they have to learn to do what God knows to do by nature. We have to have, my wife already touched on this, so I won't spend a lot of time with this, so I'll let you take a picture of it. We must have a proper understanding of who the one is, and the one is God. Don't forget that. That person is not the one. God is the one. Um, another question, and we're almost done. But this was a really good one. Um, and I, I saw this, and it's how do we break generational cycles in our choice of who we develop relationships with? How many of you know almost all of how we handle relationships is learned behavior? 
It's learned behavior. And what I mean by that is we do what we've seen. Sometimes we do it intentionally and sometimes we do it subconsciously. I'll give you an example. Look back at how your parents treated relationships. And many times, I'm not saying it's 100% foolproof, but many times we have tendencies based on what we've seen our whole life. And so if, if, if my dad was a playboy, don't even say playboy anymore, do they? What is it now, a player or something? I, I don't know, I'm 40. Uh, <laughs> but we do, we do what we've seen because what we've been told was what we've seen has been okay. We get what we permit. And so if mom and dad always fought, then guess what? You have to be intentional about saying it's not going to go this way in our relationship. If, if the man was domineering and said it's my way or the highway, sometimes even as a woman you'll say, you know what, that, that was acceptable when I was coming up, so that's what I'm going to just deal with and I'm just going to sit and be quiet. Um, and I need to add another thing to this is sometimes what we'll do is we'll say, you know, because my dad was like that, nobody's ever going to run over me again, so you feel you have to be the dominant one. And that sets things out of order and out of balance too. And so where do we go? We go back to the scriptures and what the scriptures tell us uh, we should do. Breaking generational cycles, it, it really is saying that through the power of the cross and through the power of the blood of Jesus, it stops with me. Yeah. yeah. And I think, too, you have to make the decision um, in your mind that this, like he said, will not carry on with me. Mm -hmm. um, we come from, like I said, we're di very different, but we come from two different family dynamics. Everyone in Shannon's family is still married or has never been remarried from their first spouse. Everyone in his, his family's been, your parents 45 years this year? A long time. Yeah, his parents were married for 45 years. I'd never seen anything like that because my family, everyone's been divorced or not married. Everyone's, there's been no, and when I say none, there's been no relationship in my, in my entire biological family that a marriage has stayed together. And so we come from very different backgrounds where he's seen his dad, how he treats his mom, what, he, you know, what, what his parents do, what his grandparents did, what his great-grandparents did. I never saw that. I never saw that. And so the first Thanksgiving at his house was culture shock because... Everyone in his family were like, oh, yeah, we're so thankful we married for 30 years this year. Oh, yeah, we're so thankful we married for 27 years. And I literally sat there with my eyes open like, are y'all for real? I'd never seen anything like that. And I think that you have to, make, have to make a decision in your mind. First of all, and I'll say this, male, male or female, you have the decision to choose your spouse. You don't have to put up with anybody. And I say that because sometimes we... Like he said, we'll sit around and we'll just settle. And I don't think we have to. I think that God will lead us always 100%. When we're in his word and we're focused on him, he will always, 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 always lead us in the right direction. And even in that area. And so there were times where things would happen. For me, I'll tell you, and I'll just tell you, I know we're running over, but for me, it was very important to me that the man that I married did not look at another female. It was, it was extremely important to me. 
because in in my family growing up a lot of a lot of the marriages were um ended in divorce due to adultery and so for me it was very important that he never even turned an eye and so the first time Shannon and I hung out we were at Starbucks for like nine hours or something like that which was plenty of time to see if he was looking at somebody else and so but that was the first thing that caught my attention was his eyes stayed on me the whole time. And there, I'm telling you, look, hey, you know, shout out to women. Look, there were some very pretty, beautiful women that walked in that door and he never looked at them. He kept his eyes on me. And that spoke volumes to me because that is something that I'd always prayed for was someone who never turned their eye and looked at someone else. It was very important to me. And for some people that may not be important, but for me that was. And I think when speaking about generational curses, or excuse me, cycles, well yeah, curses, but you know, but cycles is that we have to make a decision that it won't happen with me. And even if it has, from this day forward, make a decision today. This ain't gonna happen again. Preach. You know, and, and even with your, even with your kids too, Pray over your kids. We pray over, and, and I know we'll hit this, but we pray over, we pray for Joy's husband right now. She's three. We pray for him. We pray for him. I pray for him every day. Whoever. Somebody needs to pray for him. Yeah, somebody needs to pray because he's not. But whoever, whoever is, the, whoever is the other person that marries our kid, Lord, start to prepare their heart. Start to make them into who you called them to be. Start to have them confident. Start to not let them go weary or look to the right or to the left. Like, have them focused on you, you know? And I could be praying about a two- or three-year-old, but that's okay with me because we're setting that foundation right now, you know? And setting it so much so that Joy knows. Joy knows. If we don't pray as a family, she's old enough that we don't pray as a family, I'll brush her teeth and she'll come out like, we got to pray, you know? And she knows. And... Setting that foundation in our kids right now. And you know what? I didn't have parents who could set that. My parents were not Christians. I didn't have parents who could set that for me. My, my biological parents, I didn't have that. No one was praying with me. No one was praying for me. And no one was praying for my spouse. Until I got older and my adopted parents started to pray for that person for me. And so I think that is how we, as parents, too, and as, and as people, not even as parents, because even if you don't have kids yet, start praying for them. If that's your desire is to have a child, start praying for them. Pray for your kids and start praying for their spouse. Because I truly believe, you know, the scripture, scripture says that he knew us while we were in our mother's womb. He formed us from the very beginning of time. He knew every single hair on our head. Do not think an unborn child is too big to pray for or too little to pray for. God knows. He set them up since the beginning of time. He knew. N none of this stuff has caught God by surprise. My life, my testimony, my abortion, none of that caught God off guard. He knew. From before I was even, from when he formed the earth, he knew. And so, and so stay in prayer about your kids, even if they're not here yet. Even if you don't have, if you desire to have them, stay in prayer and pray for yourself. And pray, if you desire to be married, pray for your spouse. They might even not even be here yet. Pray for them. Amen. That's good. That's good. One more, um, and then we're going to wrap it up. I think you started to touch on it already. But 
just knowing that all of what we do in relationships, again, is, is, is a lot of it is learned behavior, but how do we help our children find the right spouse? She touched a lot about on this already. One, we've got to model it. We, ha we have to model it. Um, it's so, you ever heard that, that saying, do what I say and not what I do? Um, why don't you stand to your feet while I, I, I hit this last part and talk about this? But um, it, 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 the children, people in our life are going to do not what we say, but they're going to do what they see. Um, and so what we want to do, and I'll give you one scripture that really um, comes to mind when I think about this. And it, it's, it's scripture you've heard in Proverbs 22, verse 6. Direct your children onto the right path. And when they're old, they won't leave it. So here's the, the, the thing that I want to, I want to give you hope today and wherever you are. And just as your eyes are closed and we, we do this part, but I don't want you to focus on anything but God right now as I say this part. You've heard a lot today. Um, and, and, and I know enough to know that we've all heard it differently. It's all hit us in different places. But here's the principle that I want to give you. Even if I can't start over, I can start where I am. Even if I can't start over, I can start where I am. So it says, at this day, this day, February uh, 24th, um, God help me live a life that my children can watch uh, and, and be inspired and say, uh, you know what, I want that. Um, I want that peace. I want that hope. I, I, help me value, watch this, help me value myself in a way that the right friends are attracted to me and the right man or woman is attracted to me based on the value that I know you've placed on me because of the cross. Is anybody in this church today? See, you've got to, sometimes you'll go through things in your life and you'll allow your trial, your tests, your mistakes, anything that's happened in your life, you'll allow that to determine your value and that does not determine your value. Your value is determined by what it took to get you and it took the cross. You were worth the cross to God, so you have value. And so you don't have to sit there and say, you know what, this is, you, you might be sitting here listening during this invitation time saying, this is as good as it gets for me. This is where it ends. I just got to be okay with it being like this. And I'm here to tell you, as a man of God today, it does not have to be that way. God says, I know the plans that I have for you. They're good plans to give you a future and a hope and an expected end. So I want you to have hope today, knowing that God wants good things for you. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through today, no matter what the enemy is saying in your mind, I'm telling you, God wants you to have hope. It didn't end for you. You didn't lose it because of the mistakes. Your destiny didn't die because you messed up along the way. The Holy Spirit is calling out to you today saying, get up, rise up, understand the worth and the value that I've placed on your life. And so as we're here with our head bowed and our eyes closed, you might be here and, and you need, you're just like, I, I, I need help. Lord, help me see it. Help me see the worth and the value that you've placed on my life. And I know we've gone a little longer today, but this is necessary. So many times we say, no, church, got to be an hour because that's what they do now. But sometimes the Holy Spirit just needs some time to work. And so if you're here and you're like, just, just that, that's me. I just, 
I found myself in a place in this message and just pray for me. I don't even know what to pray, but just pray for me that I can be what God wants me to be in my relationships. If that's you, just slip your hand up quickly. I want to agree with you in prayer. There's no shame. Nobody's looking around. Amen. God bless you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. So awesome. And then you're here and you're saying, Lord, you know what? I just need a reset. That's what I feel in my heart to pray. I just need a reset. I, I want you, Lord, to hit a divine reset button in my life and in my relationships. That's you. Put your hand up boldly. Nobody's looking around. God will do it. The act of faith is sometimes just lifting your hands and saying, you know what? I need it. I need it. Can I give you just one more? Some of you are like, you know what? I'm in it and I'm not giving up. But God, I just need strength. I just need strength for the journey. I'm weary. I've had things kind of pull, uh, steal my joy, steal my passion, steal my peace. But Lord, I just need, I need strength. People's opinions have, 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 have diminished my view of myself. People's opinions have not made me feel validated. They've made me, made me feel like less of a man, less of a woman than You've actually created and called me to be. If that's you, put your hand up. Again, boldly, we're getting free today. We're going to get free. All right. And, and so as, as we're praying, we're going to do it this way. If, if you need, I'm going to pray a general prayer. Our prayer team is up here already. Uh, my wife will jump in and pray. If God puts something on our heart to pray as well. But if that's you and, and you've raised your hand, I want you to know that you're included in this prayer today. And receive it by faith. And if you want somebody to agree with you individually and just lock, lock arms and hands with you, our prayer team is up here and they'll do that for you too. But just receive with open hands. Just, just if you have strength, keep your hands up all over the room. Because this is an act of surrender saying, Lord, I'm surrendering this area of relationships to you. It's not saying that you have, it's just saying, Lord, I need you in this. I, I need you in this. I've done it my own way all this time, and quite honestly, it just ain't working. So, Lord, I'm surrendering. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence and your power, Lord, in our lives. And we declare victory in this place today. We declare that hope is restored, that freedom is restored, that lives are changed, that dignity and self-worth is restored, that purity of the mind and heart are restored, that, 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 Lord, I speak restoration over every person in this room. Everyone that's had their identity seems like their identity has been attacked because of relational issues, whether it be friendship or marriage or singlehood, their identity, their self-worth has been robbed of them. Lord, restore it beginning now. In the name of Jesus, let them see that they are the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. Lord, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Lord, help us to stop pressing the rewind button on our lives and begin to move forward in these areas of our relationships. We decree and declare that we're not going to rehearse mistakes, but we're going to rehearse your promises. We're going to rehearse your goodness. We're going to rehearse your mercy in our lives, trusting that you'll be honored. You'll be honored in our lives. Um, and, and we thank you for it. And we praise you for it in Jesus mighty name. And let everyone that agrees with that just, I want you to praise him by faith today. We don't do this, but I want you to clap your hands and give God a shout of praise by faith today. Come on, praise him. 
praise him because with your praise, you're taking authority over the enemy. When you praise, you're taking your promise. Come on and shout praise in this room. We don't do it all the time, but the chains are coming off. Every bondage broken in the name of Jesus. Every spirit that's not like God be broken now in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout victory in this place today. Come on, let me hear you shout victory in this place today. Tell the person next to you it's not going to be the same again. Tell them it's not going to be the same this time. Tell them it's not going to be the same this time. Oh, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. I feel victory in this place today. I feel freedom in this place today. Every shackle be loosed in the name of Jesus. Every wrong mindset be broken in the name of Jesus. Every lie and accusation and deception of the enemy be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. We're going to be a people of victory. Our lives are going to be an example. Our relationships are going to be an example. Our children are going to be an example. This day the history books change in our lives. And we walk in freedom. Every generational curse broken now. In Jesus' name. Let everyone say amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this day. And we give you praise for all that you'll continue to do in our lives. And Lord, let our week be blessed. Let our families be blessed. Let us walk in the prosperity of Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And have a great week. If you're here and you want to be baptized, we've got the pool set up. So if you want to be baptized, meet us around the corner uh, in about five minutes or so. And we'll baptize you right here. Um, But other than that, have a great week. So glad to see you and God bless you.